Joining us now, our good friend from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, good morning, Al, on a Wednesday. Hey, Karen, how are you? I'm doing great. I tell you what, I've got some exciting news. I finally put birdseed out after months and months of not having it out because of the deer and the squirrels, and I thought I'd give it a chance. And guess what? I have a lot of birds. Yep, and I suggested you start doing commercials for some of the uh, <laughs> providers of, uh, of birdseed products in the local area. Because so it works. Say, yeah, you just say, boy, the secret folks, you put something out for them to eat. And then it's like, uh, if you build it, they will come, and the birds will come. But, you know, I what? saw about a dozen sparrows. That was the first that came to the the. the, the um, bird feeder with a seed and I had I had got like good seed this time it's got like peanuts and corn and, and other things that looked really good to even me I almost ate it because it looked like granola but I didn't of course but then later in the day I didn't see any little birds out front but on the side of the house where we have a pear tree I saw a big bird in a tree that looked like it was eating something off of a branch and, and I you know it wasn't pears because there's no pears there so I sent you a picture and you believed it was a cooper's hawk and I think that's probably why all my little sparrows probably weren't around and I think that's what it was eating <laughs> yeah and Chad Hines saw one in uh, cooper's hawk in Blue Earth County and Mark and I'm going to get Mark's last name I know if I go with Aki T-A-C-K-E so he saw a cooper's hawk in Brown County Okay. And they're uh, they're around, and it was uh, a uh, they're beautiful birds. Unless you're a little songbird at a feeder, then they're not <laughs> quite so beautiful because these are these are bird hawks. And there's two of them that we see: Cooper's hawk, uh, typically two we see: uh, Cooper's hawk and a sharp shinned hawk. And they're oh, they look so much alike. It's uh, it's kind of scary, but uh, that's what it looked like to me. And I, I think I mentioned to you, there's always room for error when you're identifying uh, exhibitors. Well, and the picture was a little fuzzy. I admit it was from the branches behind the screen, behind the window glass, and I did the best I could. So, And then later in the day, though, in the afternoon then, I saw a cedar waxwing along with the sparrows that had returned. So I'm guessing my, my Cooper's Hawk maybe had, had gone somewhere else for a while. They are such beautiful birds, Peter Waxwings, and we have a lot of berry trees here in the yard, and they came in and, uh, boy, just devoured so many of the haws from the hawthorn tree. We have a lot of high bush cranberries here, but they just pretty much ignore them until, oh, maybe uh, late winter, early spring, they'll come in, and then they'll eat those at that time, because then they're, desperate. they're good then. I, they, <laughs> oh, they're desperate. Yeah. They, yeah, and they probably sweeten up a little bit because ah. uh, I don't know if folks have eaten high bush cranberries, but uh, they're one of those bitter berries. There's many of them out there. It's like eating a green gooseberry or something like that that just gives you that. The old commercial where they got the, was it bitter bitter beer taste or something? You, you get that from eating these berries. It just uh, sends a shiver up and down fine. We are in winter, folks. I think December 1st, that's it's meteorological winter. It just seems easy to divide it up that way. And December is the darkest month, but the proverb says if December be changeable and mild, the whole winter will remain a child. Oh, boy. Each day will continue to be a weather event, but we're on the 9th of December here. What a beautiful day. Oh, my goodness. It's just uh, it's lovely out there. I'm seeing the fox squirrels 
chasing one another around the trees, around and around they go, the bark of the tree, the trunk, and they mate uh, twice a year. And one time is now December to February, and the other time will be uh, in the summer, June through July. And I've been hearing great horned owls. They do kind of a soft hooting in the night as part of their courtship. They are the most common owl in Minnesota. And they are hooting before nesting begins in January or February. Oh, it just it sends, it chills me just thinking about sitting on a nest in January. But they are uh, they're made for it. I've watched and listened to outraged birds in my yard, Karen. There were chickadees, nuthatches, jays, and downy woodpecker. One downy woodpecker. They flushed a cooper's hawk from a tree in my yard. And there were four uncharacteristically quiet crows. They sat out the vocal mobbing. They concentrated instead on chasing the flying raptors retreated from the yard. And there was a gang of house sparrows, just like yours, and they perched in an arborvitae, and they stayed out of it. So <laughs> they had nothing to do with that. It's funny how some birds will mob, and other birds will just kind of say, meh, you know, I'm just going over here where it's safe. Uh, Barb Lampson asked you, what is the best birder book to get for somebody as a, a someone's interested in bird watching? Not an expert, but has good photos and descriptions to help people get started. In other words, something that's easy to do, so it would, it would be used. Uh, my two favorite ones are, uh, my longtime favorite one is the Field Guide to the Birds of North America by National Geographic Society, but I find myself uh, caring more often when I did um, well, when I did bird walks and stuff back when we used to do all that stuff, like last year. Yeah. Uh, the, the Sibley Field Guide to Birds, and it's got to be, if they live in Minnesota, it's got to be the of Eastern North America. It's a wonderful book. Uh, both of these do give uh, photos. I'm looking at the Sibley here. It has birds in flight, and it's just a, a wonderful thing. But if somebody just wants a little book, to uh, get a keep on their desk, a uh, very small, uh, I don't know what size this thing is, but it's very small. It's Birds of Minnesota, and it's by Stan Tequila. I know everyone wants to get into Tequila and these other things, but it's Stan Tequila, just like the uh, the liquor. And it's, uh, it has them organized by color. Uh, and um, well, and I will say it's not it's not the best field guide if you want to be out identifying birds. That said, it's a wonderful guide. Somebody will say, "Boy, it's a it's a yellow bird," and you look up and they're organized by color. You can look at it in there and you say, "Boy, that's it." Uh, Aunt who sadly passed away, she lived in Iowa, and that's all she wanted. She, did. she wasn't going to go out in the woods looking for birds. She wanted to know what birds were that came into her bird feeder. So we got her one of those. And then she used it. I think she used it pretty heavily because it seemed to have uh, some wear on after she had passed away. So, uh, Barb, I hope that is uh, of some help. Uh, Jill, 
Jill Evans of Mankato said the Thanksgiving gift of an Oriole at our suet feeder lasted four days. He arrived on Thursday, hung out all all day long each day through Sunday. Hope he returns to delight us in the spring. For Carolina Wren left, too. So sorry, Jill. Um, I'm sure you've got some wonderful birds that have um, the replacement birds. Uh, Steve Krioski said, I have what appears to be a female grackle at my feeders lately. Is it not unusual at this time of year? Uh, boy, they're around, Steve. You know, not in the great numbers that we see them in, uh, in the summertime or in the spring, but uh, they are there. Uh, Tammy Vogel said, we have a grackle, just one adult grackle that shows up every fall and stays through the winter. It showed up a week or so ago. It'll be its fourth year with us. It brings young in the late summer and then disappears to reappear in late November, early December. No sign of the young in the winter. It's always here alone. It eats the suet, pecks around into mixed seed and peanuts and drinks from the heated bath. I'm assuming it's the same bird. It's not banded, but since we have one and only one in the winter and then for a couple weeks in the summer, with the exception of its fledgling, I'm pretty sure it's the same bird. Hmm. Uh, Dan Brinkman of New Alm uh, sent me the most uh, touching of emails, and uh, thanks, Dan, for that. Um, He sent me a photo of cardinals gathering at dusk by his house in New Ulm, as many as 20 of them. He said, I have two lots, provide a wide variety of cover for them, and they're around here all the time. I have several varieties of lilac, as well as many arborvitae planted, forming a natural barrier for them to hide, as well as having a handful of fruit bearing shrubs and bushes to feed on, in addition to many feeders. Next on my list is a water heater for fresh water drinking. My wife, who is now in a nursing home, once told her doctors at Abbott Northwestern after she had had her strokes that the sound of a cardinal struck her. I smiled because then I knew that life still mattered for her. So, man, uh, I don't know what to add to that, Dan, other than thanks. My lovely bride, Gail, sent me uh, an email. It was an image showing three full years of tracking a single male rough-legged hawk. Uh, the incredible tracks show how far this bird has traveled. It was first captured by creation in October 2017 and 10, two-year-old. The two-year-old from 2017 to now has provided 15,866 GPS locations. So it's it's gone as far north as of Canada as the Northwest Passage, and then head west to the Northwest Territories, and then back down to Colorado. So and this is from Teton Rap. I, I heard from uh, Rick Draper. Uh, Rick was from Albert Lee, and then he, or I'm sorry, he was from New Richland. He moved to Albert Lee now, and he asked, "Have I ever run a?" Run across a book as a nature lover, Tom Murphy, and he logged 25 winters exploring Yellowstone on skis, really roughing it for sublime, supreme photos. I catch him in my special annual winter solstice tradition, PBS Nature Show, 
as the most excellent one-hour special, Christmas in Yellowstone. It's magical, my must-see. You can find it on YouTube. I wait for long, dark nights near the solstice and watch it in a darkened room late in the evening tradition. I often bike Big Island State Park to keep a wonderful distance from people on virus. A six-pack of friendly deer, sometimes up to 12, often allow me to quietly bike past them, and I get a long time to watch them and enjoy. They had a special hunt this weekend. I suppose they need to thin the herd from time to time. Hope not many of my friendly six. Uh, Gunner Berg, also of Albert Lee, has a flicker at his suet feeder. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye saw a greater scop. I was typing this up, uh, some notes, and it kept uh, my autocorrect wanting to make it a greater scalp. And, uh, so I'll have to, I don't know, chat, hit it with a, a wet noodle or something to correct that. But he saw a greater scalp at Thompson WMA in Brown County. Bob Williams saw a cackling goose at Loon Lake in Wasika County. Dave Bartke had a Merlin, which would be pretty rare this time of year, in Dodge County. I went to the Minnesota Ornithologist Union. They had a paper session, and it's a wonderful thing. And it was uh, virtual this year, uh, like everything. And a couple of, they were all so great, but a couple I really enjoyed were, uh, it was called Climate Change and Forest by Lee Fralick. He is the director of the University of Minnesota Center for Forest Ecology. And he said drought, insect infestation, wind, and fire will accompany climate change. There is more of a treed climate in southwest Minnesota now than at the time of the European settlement when it was more favorable to the prairie. High temperatures, and I bet a lot of you folks will remember this, high temperatures in March of 2012 caused magnolias to bloom in Minnesota. Uh, I remember uh, 81 degrees on March 17th and 80 degrees on March 18th, according to the Rochester Weather Station. If climate change isn't mitigated, Lee said that the Boundary Waters Canoe Area will have the climate of Granite Falls by 2070 due to higher temperatures. Deer will replace moose, bobcats will take the place of lynx, and red-bellied woodpeckers will replace black-backed woodpeckers. And I might add that red-bellied woodpeckers are being seen in Ely now. Uh, Freilich has a, a wonderful line, and he was quoted in the Washington Post for this. He said, we have a perfectly good Kansas now. We don't need a second one in Minnesota. Uh, the second one that I really enjoyed was by a friend, uh, Eagles as Ambassadors by Scott Mayhus. He's the Education Director at the National Eagle Center in Wabasha. Scott started the Wintering Golden Eagle Survey in 2005. On the third Saturday of January each year, volunteers, citizens, scientists drive over 40 counties. Uh, this year they counted 5,801 total miles. And it's in the blufflands of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. It straddles the Mississippi River and runs from Hastings-Stillwater area down to Dubuque. 
They counted 119 golden eagles in 2020, 145 in 2019, 62 in 18, and 44 in 2017. Uh, Scott uh, reaffirmed what we uh, we tell everyone, I guess. Golden eagles aren't found near water. Scott has found only one golden eagle within 30 feet of the Mississippi River in all those years. Wow. They feed on rabbits, squirrels, and wild turkeys. Uh, they survey other birds, too. They saw 1,403 bald eagles, uh, 461 red-tailed hawks, 127 rough-legged hawks, and 89 American kestrels. They had 60 unidentified eagles. And they counted 19 red-headed woodpeckers. Oh, my goodness. It's really a cool thing. Well, you know, Where our friend, for... I was going to say our friend Rich wanted to, to weigh in here. He said he had six eagle bald eagles in his big cottonwood tree making their unique screeching noise. He said, have you ever seen that many together? He said, so cool. Well, I guess in the, in the case you're talking, maybe they've seen a few more, but six bald eagles in one place is pretty good, too. It's amazing, Rich, and boy, uh, especially for around here, I've been lucky to go to Alaska a lot and in Haines I'd see so many in one tree uh, just a brief mention of Haines they've had terrible mudslides yes. up there uh, destroyed so much property uh, one fellow that I, I know a little bit is still missing so I'm assuming he's uh, he's been killed uh, two, two people are still missing after oh. all this time so it's just a, a dreadful thing happening in such a a lovely, lovely place. Where do these folks look for golden eagles? They like goat prairies. I know a lot of folks are saying goat prairies. What in the world is that? They're dry upland bluff prairies where thermals give lift to eagles, and that saves them a lot of energy and haste uh, in altitude gain. And the goat prairies are named because the goats fed on them while the cows grazed the, the lower hillsides. And these goat prairies also offer access to prey. But red cedar trees have invaded many of the, the, these prairies, these goat prairies. Uh, where do these golden eagles, counted by Scott and the squad, go? They breed in northern Canada. And if you're interested in volunteering for the 2021 Wintering Golden Eagle Survey, it'll be held on Saturday, January 16th. Uh, email is pretty simple. It's golden, as in golden eagle, at nationaleaglecenter.org. Golden at nationaleaglecenter.org. The hardest part about those is you have to remember org, because, boy, I know I, I want to type in com at the end of everything and then I, my email bounces and I go what in the world did I do wrong uh, a listener uh, no name said I there was a rather nondescript bird in my yard this summer that wagged its tail when perched why did it do that <laughs> I'm going to guess it was an eastern Phoebe it's a fly catcher that uh, it's dull in coloration, doesn't have any really bold markings that jump out at you. And there's a guy by the name of Gregory Avilas. He's a California scientist. He studied black Phoebes to determine if the tail pumping pumping was uh, related to balance, maybe, uh, territorial aggression, foraging. 
or predators. And he did all these tests. And it was found that the tail fidgeting was a message to predators, letting them know that they'd been spotted and eliminating the element of surprise. A playback of the calls of Cooper's hawk, a raptor that preys on birds, caused the Phoebe's tail pumping rate to triple. So it's just pretty much the Phoebe saying, I see you, uh, apparently. So it was a, a great study to read about all the things he went through. Cooper's hawk is definitely the bird of the show today. So it's a lot of mention, but they are they are around, and, um, you know, we don't like always seeing them. I, I don't get many cardinals. I have three of them here now. I, I don't want anything to happen to those cardinals. Uh, but it's still, I guess it's just part of nature, and it's one of those things that it happens, and it happens whether I see it or not. Uh, another listener asked, can red, I read, she said that red admiral butterflies overwinter here. Can they? Uh, some of these butterflies migrate and some stay behind. I wonder how many can survive our cold winters. I, uh, maybe some do, but boy, it, yeah, some of you probably noticed. Our winters aren't really that nice to living things. It, they can be pretty brutal, and uh, they're really hard on humans. And I know red admiral butterflies are probably more suited to most things than we are, but I I really just, I really doubt it. And my last question I have are, what are predators of bats? Well, uh, owls, hawks, snakes, raccoons, uh, mink, weasels, possums, cats, and of course humans. We are, um, they found barotrauma on some of the wind turbines and things that are, uh, located in the wrong places so so we are uh, a big problem you know we're a big problem to ourselves so why wouldn't we be a big problem to everything else but uh, we can help them too and i know many people are working at doing that and uh, boy that's a, a wonderful wonderful thing and is your cooper's hawk still around well you know yesterday like I said, I took the pictures, and it was in that tree for a while, and I could tell it was eating something. So I don't know. All I do know is that when I looked on the other side of the house, there were sparrows and that cedar waxwing that were back. So I'm assuming he must have taken a little break. Do they usually come back? Because now they know that there's a source of food like the other birds obviously found my seeds. <laughs> yep, they do. And oh. they're successful. Uh, studies have shown, uh, well, at least one study I read, 12% of the time. Oh. And they do come back, and you can see if they catch a bird, and the other birds still have to eat. So if they know that Cooper's hawk has either left or caught a bird, then they all come to the feeder again because oh. they're safe for a little while. Okay. So they do. Uh, they will hunt feeders because, as you say, it's it's a place where they've had success. Well, see, now I feel and, bad uh, for putting out the seeds because not only I did attract no. birds and I looked at it, but then I attracted somebody to kill them. <laughs> uh, no, don't, because they're going to be catching a bird somewhere. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it's not, it's not, and you you help the birds when the weather gets miserable. It's been so nice now. Oh, well, yeah. When the weather gets miserable, they've done all kinds of studies. I, I read one the other day where black-capped chickadees, 
they figured in a bad winter, northern Minnesota, maybe three out of ten will uh, survive the winter. But if they have a feeder that's there for them, uh, probably seven out of oh. ten of those chickadees. I've would, seen a uh, lot of comments on the one of the uh, Facebook groups that I'm on that talks about gardening and birds and things. A lot of people said they haven't seen many birds at their feeders, that they've been gone and it's been quiet for a while. And is that because it has been so nice and maybe they've got other sources of food? That's exactly right, because the the world's a big supermarket right now. They have berries, they have seeds, and they're still finding insects, uh, larvae and eggs maybe primarily, but they're still feeding on some insects. So there's a lot of things going on for them. They have some open water in a lot of places. Of course, water's important. So it's still pretty good living for a bird just being off on your own. But we noticed when we got the snowy days there, all of a sudden those feeders got really busy, and we were just swamped with customers at the feeders here in in my yard. So they, they will come back. Well, I, our, um, our friend John has a question, by the way, before sure. because we're almost out of time here. But he says, ask Al, and he always starts with this. Bet Al knows this one. <laughs> what yeah. what kind of music did the Pilgrims listen to? What kind of music did the Pilgrims listen to? I'm thinking Mayflower. I don't know. Plymouth Rock. <laughs> oh, well, sure. Gosh. I used to raise Plymouth Rocks. I should have known that. <laughs> and then, then John wished me a happy birthday on Saturday. My birthday's on Saturday, so I thought that was really nice of him to remember even. So thanks, John. Well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Gosh. A little early. They come around every year, don't they? You know, my husband already got me a present. I think he got it, uh, well, it was at least a couple weeks ago. One thing I needed, my my Toro Ultra blower vacuum for leaves uh, broke because I'd had it for seven years. It was kind of going for a long time. And so he says, well, I'm going to get you an early present. So I got it. And I was, I was more than thrilled because it not only sucks up the leaves, it mulches them. So now I've got all that mulch to put down for, for the winter. So, um, how nice of him. We (laughs) all wondered why in the world you ever married him. And now we know he's just a really nice guy. (laughs) He is (laughs) for sure. I was, uh, finished quickly. I was, I was, Hey, hey, ho, ho, that door opener has got to go. I sang like a man who spent part of a day in a choir because they needed another tall guy to balance a photo of the singers, and that was because I had spent one day in the choir. Uh, The garage door opener had issues. It made the door go up or down only when it was properly inspired. It had only one job. I suspected its befuddling bewilderer had broken. I visited the company where I purchased the opener. I hadn't expected them to roll out the red carpet, and boy, they didn't. I finally found a guy who tried hard to ignore me. Uh, They were busy before asking if he could help. He gave me that same look. I give a scam email from an exiled Nigerian prince. I pretended he was happy to see me as I explained my problem. and No, not that problem. The problem with the opener. And I hadn't presented it as a conspiracy theory that he believed in. So he suggested I watch a YouTube video involving toilet paper tubes and take notes, uh, gave me a dunce cap, and sent me on my way. I considered going elsewhere, but I still hoped that the opener could be fixed. So a couple days later, I disguised my voice and called the company, and they sent a repairman out uh, three times. 
Uh, small parts were exchanged, and the opener became as good as almost new. I press a button, and the garage door goes up. I press a button again, and the garage door goes down. How cool is that? It's the best thing ever until today. What a beautiful day today is. I hope you all have the best ever. Remember Heartland as well. We're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. And once again, happy birthday. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I will chat with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. And thanks for doing a special Wednesday edition of Birding with Bat. My pleasure. All right. Bye-bye, Al.